Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks, they're not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce? Forgot my name. (laughs) Uh, We come to you every week with discussions about casual formats of magic. We, We talk about Commander, EDH, whatever you want to call it. Uh... And tonight we are here to discuss uh, the simple, <laughs> the simple topic <laughs> of new mechanics. Uh, I I say that kind of tongue in cheekly because new mechanics are never a simple task, and uh, we're here to discuss kind of the the yin and yang uh, that is the badness of new mechanics being introduced to an eternal format. Um, I wouldn't say badness. You wouldn't we're say saying, badness. We're saying this is yin and yang. One man's crappy mechanic is another man's, uh, you know, golden shining star. It, it goes all over the place. It goes all over the yeah. place. As as yeah. I'm sure everyone will come to see as we get a little more involved in the conversation. Yeah. So we have we have a few we have a few examples for you tonight um, in grander schemes and. I wanted to just kind of sit back and I, I, I had the idea of uh, how new mechanics being introduced to a meta, whether it's your playgroup or your local game store, your LGS, uh, kind of can either be tedium or uh, a bit swifter. Um, but with that kind of comes the broadness of everyone's experience levels and how people kind of prefer to play uh but um it it kind of brought us around to wanting to more talk about things such as parasitic mechanics uh and broken uh or easier to break mechanics so that's that's uh, we'll start with our parasitic parasitic mechanics parasitic mechanics mechanics i'm an old magic player and I would argue that parasitic mechanics are something mostly from Magic's past. Um, we still do see them, but Wizards is very aware of parasitic mechanics now, so we see them less and less. Um, what are they? So I went and digging. I did some research for this what? podcast. I know, I know. And Mark Rosewater's article from November the 6th, 2006, talked a little bit about parasitic mechanics. And they define it as... 2006. Man, that was like, what, like three years ago? <laughs> something like that. Um, R&D uses the term parasitic mechanic. Uh, it means that an idea is too self-contained. He goes on to say, we want players to be able to look at cards and imagine things they can do with them. Cards that are too parasitic say, no, just look at this tiny subset of cards. So a parasitic mechanic is a mechanic that tends to get better the more that you include in your deck. One of the most obvious ones would be Infect. Ah, yes. Infect is an easy one. When I was first thinking about this, I was thinking about Soul Shift, which is another mechanic that I think is is parasitic in that it gets so much better when you play several cards with Soul Shift. However, I think Infect is probably a more common group set of cards that everyone understands yeah um and or even idea... to the broad extent of like tribal mechanics right uh, tribal mechanics are naturally parasitic 
Uh, right. However, a lot of the tribal mechanics, they're parasitic, but you expect them to be opened up in the future. So, yeah. you know, like you can say elves' tribal theme is parasitic, but practically speaking, it's so massive. There are so many options. <laughs> Realistically, it, it's more a way just to reduce your focus from 30,000 magic cards that could go in your deck down <laughs> to cards relating to elves. It, it's less parasitic and more helpful for you to help you bring your focus in when building a deck. But a card like Infect, um, you know, there are examples where one card is enough. Triumph of the Hordes is probably the most common of these of these cards where you know, you're essentially treating it as an overrun. Yeah. You know, give all your creatures Infect, swing, I bet you do 10 points of damage. Of course you Because it gives them trample too, right? Yeah, it gives them trample. I forget what how much... Is it plus one, plus one trample? Or plus two, plus two and trample? And in fact... Yeah. So realistically, it's taking somebody's life total from 40 to 10 and giving all <laughs> of your creatures in fact. That card by itself can work. But in fact, on, on creatures generally, it's just not nearly as effective. You want to have a lot of them to make yeah. it really work. Because... You know, if I'm running Scytherix by itself in a black and blue deck and I just throw Scytherix in there, well, it's good, but wow, wouldn't it be so much better if there were way more creatures with Infect in my deck? Because then I'm not relying completely on Scytherix to do all of the damage needed mm -hmm. to win with Infect damage. Um, and if I never think that it's going to get there, then realistically all it is is it's a creature that blocks and deals its damage in minus one, minus one counters, which is still good, but it just doesn't have that play. If our format was tiny, this would be, <laughs> this would be fine. If we were only drawing from, you know, uh, a card set of a thousand cards and, you know, 200 plus of them had infect, well, then it wouldn't seem all that bad. Um, it probably wouldn't seem all that good either, but it, we're not. We're drawing from a massive card set that's only growing faster and faster and faster to the point now where infect creatures, for the most part, none of them are good enough to make your deck. You, the only way they ever make the deck is when you have a whole pile of them that you can put together. And in the end, that means your deck building is constrained to just those cards. Yeah, people can then tell me, no, that's not true. Here's this, here's this, here's this. I'm like, great. You're showing me all these extreme ways that you have built a very unique, one-of-a-kind kind of build. You're proving my point. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, it's a very, like, if you have to build around a certain mechanic very nichely, it is probably because it's parasitic, right? Like, Well, exactly. It, you know, I mean, I am relying on other cards with the same type. Um, another common example is splice onto arcane oh yes okay mm. well so the only way you can ever splice is onto an arcane card well okay so but now i need arcane cards to make this card work and if realistically if i only have two arcane cards in my deck then it really doesn't matter this is the difficulty with with parasitic mechanics they just get worse as your format gets bigger as it goes on <laughs> longer so unfortunately mechanics that are parasitic don't tend to don't tend to do well you can build it. There's likely only going to be one or two effective builds. And I'm sure that Mr. Infect, Craig Blanchett, would say, uh, that's not true. But again, you're building from a tiny subset. 
of cards yeah. and trying to make trying to build out from there it, it is parasitic yeah so. so like i guess like with with parasitic mechanics is always tough because it has a clear follow-through um there are very clear ways to build decks i'm i'm thinking mostly you know tribal type decks uh tend to be parasitic right but in that it, cl- it generally closes the gap on creativity unless you really want to dig into it uh, and then you've got those niche builds. Right. Well, I mean, think about it in fact. What are your options? You're building with a bunch of smaller, subpar creatures. Right. How do you make that deck work? You find ways to give all of your creatures a power toughness bonus or at least a power bonus. Give me a handful of ways so that my creatures can get through unblocked. Right. Um, there, there are certain certain things that you can do to make it happen. Right, and then you've got uh, but that tracks it to just proliferate. <laughs> well, um, right. It it has a not only a clear build, but it has a clear like play. Like you are looking for a very specific way to win the game each like the same time the same way each time. Right. Um. Your, your kill cards are going to come in the same way over and over and over again. And it's, it's just, it, there, there, there is a limitation there. Now, you can, you, can, you can try and maximize that. You can try and include all of the various options to allow for variety in your play. You can, you know, focus on a different creature each time and try and do something different with them. Uh, maybe you want to focus on, you know, no infect creatures in my deck, just ways to give creatures infect, and then try and build based on that. That's great, but <laughs> in the end, practically speaking, this is a parasitic mechanic that really requires other cards to maximize, to maximize its usefulness, to maximize its effectiveness. So right, and when you're talking about a meta like Commander, like most open casual formats, a parasitic mechanic is generally not what you're looking to build around because it's going to limit how you can how you can do things it'll make your deck at least somewhat predictable so it just sort of goes from there so so yeah i guess yeah yeah exactly it's not to say that you shouldn't or that like this is a thing that you don't do when building a deck it's just that's a thing to keep in mind that it may just end up being extremely predictable uh and honestly might bore you very quickly simply put parasitic mechanics don't work in a format that's constantly expanding. You get so many decks out of it and then you're done. That You're just not going to get more until something comes out that is somehow weirdly targeted at that particular mechanic or, you know, makes it significantly different in some way. Right. It's not. It's just not in and of itself ever going to be more than that. So, um, so yeah, so I'm not really a fan of parasitic mechanics in our format just because it limits the creativity that you can put in your deck uh kind of going side by side with parasitic mechanics are uh these ideas that some mechanics uh are easier to break than others um but with that it becomes ubiquitous in the format uh yeah uh (laughs) the other the other downside slash benefit to having a format that is as wide open as this is mm-hmm. every time you add in a new mechanic, you can then take that mechanic and try and apply it to every other mechanic that's already come. And a lot 
of commander decks are built this way with the idea of abusing a connection between two types of uh, two mechanics Um, right so like obviously most main set mechanics are made with limited and standard in mind right um otherwise we'd get you know solely commander mechanics that would fall extremely flat when seen through the lens of standard and uh that would be boring as heck for the short-term uh rotation of things like standard um but the exciting thing with that like you were saying is that with eternal formats especially commander uh people are always looking at these new mechanics and seeing how they interact with mechanics that R&D probably wasn't thinking of how they would interact. Or if they were, they'd be like, it'll sort itself out. Because there's just so... The the game ends up being so complex every time you add a new mechanic that it's impossible to search for every edge case to make sure that XYZ card is not broken uh, if it interacts with this other one. Right. Um, I think um, the interact one of the interactions we were discussing mm-hmm. was the idea of persist, 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 and spikes. And spikes. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, there there is no group of cards that say that have spike in the in the text. This is not a spike is not a keyword mechanic. Um, there were a group of creatures that were referred to as spike something, spike cannibals, spike feeders, spike drone, and essentially they they were all for the most part, they were zero zero creatures that came into play with a number of plus one plus one counters on them. And they all had an ability that you could either pay something or I think in some cases nothing and move a plus one plus one counter from that creature onto another creature. Well, then you get persist, where if there are no minus one minus one counters on this creature, when it dies, it comes back into play with a minus one minus one counter on it. Great. And if you've got a spike around, then you simply take a plus and plus encounter from your spike, put it onto your other creature, they cancel out, now the creature has no minus one, minus one counters on it. So the next time it dies, it dies and comes back again. So <laughs> this is hardly a, uh, an infinite loop. Uh, usually it costs mana to do, to, to do it, to take a plus one counter off of a spike and put it on another creature. Mm. And there's only so many plus and plus encounters on the, on the spike to begin with. So this is not even particularly dangerous, but it's an interplay that is, is sort of interesting. It, it's, you know, it's something that you can, you know, that you can look at and say, Hey, this creature can get a lot better if I play with this creature, which is the whole point of the mechanics is, is that you're then taking these two mechanics that were never meant to work together and putting them together to make them work. I mean, it's, you know, essentially any mechanic that will let you put a plus one plus one counter on a persist creature is doing the same thing. I just picked I just picked spikes because they're far enough apart. I know that they were never intended to be played together, and I'm I doubt that wizards even considered spikes when they were yeah. making the pers- making persist cards because hey, who cares? This is not a mechanic that's gonna you know blow up a format or anything, but it does allow for interactions. It does allow for a whole new area to consider for deck building, um, and it's a lot. And it's a lot of fun. Now, I've described a, an interaction that is, you know, fine. That is fine. <laughs> exactly, it's fine. 
But we all, but you know, we can all picture a situation where you take those two mechanics and it goes over the top. It gets stupid, you know. So it usually comes along the lines of things being errated uh, to be simplified or expanded upon. Uh, so the I think the biggest offender uh, in this case is uh, honestly proliferate. Uh, and how it interacts with things. I mean, it interacts with with almost everything. <laughs> um, for example, when when uh, cumulative upkeep had started being a mechanic, uh, it was just you know you had to just keep track of how many turns it was up. Yeah, I may be wrong, but there wasn't really any counters like physical counters involved. No, there wasn't. Um, so when proliferate became more of a widely used mechanic or even just like became a mechanic it was never intended to interact with cumulative upkeep as it was um, right or as it is now so you get interactions with braid of fire so now braid of fire the cumulative upkeep is add one red to your mana pool now this is during your upkeep so there's a lot of restrictions as to how you can actually use this red mana. But, I mean, come on. We can, <laughs> we can come up with ways to use mana on our upkeep. Um, but This card also came from a time from when uh, mana burn was a thing. So, uh, it was a little bit more of a detriment uh, to just have this continually growing. There, yeah, well, there was always this sense that, uh, you know, sure, you want to be... You know, you'll you'll find ways to make make this work, but just keep in mind, you know, if you had uh, you know a way to dump the red into something, if somebody killed right. that and you lost that way to do it, well, it looks like you could be taking a lot of burn because you can't cast a creature spell for to use up the braid of fire's uh, mana. Well, now now bring in proliferate. Well, proliferate is just taking those uh, those age counters and mm -hmm. adding more. So you're just getting the, the the red mana ramped up that much faster. You're not waiting for each of your upkeeps. You're getting that extra counter on each of your upkeeps. It's, uh, it's a great way to have the interaction between two mechanics. I guess why I say that uh, Proliferate is, you know, the most serious uh, offender uh, is that, like, there's counters on everything. Uh <laughs> And I, I doubt that when proliferate was invented, is that the correct terminology? Uh, released into the wild by R and D, um, they never would have expected it to interact with so many things. I'm sure there's a large amount of them that they were like, "Yeah, this will be great." You know, plus one, plus one counters, minus one, minus one counters, infect counters. I guess poison counters. Sorry, uh, loyalty counters. Mm -hmm. All basic evergreen, essentially, at this point, uh, counters that would be proliferated to the moon and back. The thing, the thing with a with a a mechanic like proliferate mm -hmm. is that there are so many options that right. it's hard to it's hard to say that you know wizards can accurately say that proliferate is safe. It's and it's not. I mean, you know. Adding a plus one plus one counter to all to each creature that has one is one thing. 
adding another experience counter is quite another. Because <laughs> forgot about experience. Yes, right. Because you can't get rid of those. Like no one can. Right. Not yet. So you're going to add experience counters to make those those particular creatures, uh, those particular legendary creatures, even stronger, even more powerful. And you're going to make it happen even faster than they already were doing it. Experience counters are lousy. And all Proliferate does is it takes a bad experience and makes it worse with those cards. Now, I'm not going to say that then because of that they should never make Proliferate because that's insane. Um, but what it means is that as a deck builder, as somebody who's playing Commander, you have to think long and hard as to whether or not, you know, if you're running a Commander with that, that uses experience counters, is it appropriate to be running Proliferate? Now, how much fun is that going to be? And, you know, at what point does it stop being fun and just, <laughs> just being, you know, a massive punishment? Um, well, the other so. thing, too, is with, like, a lot of cards that have any... There, there are a lot of cards that have specific counters to their card. Yeah. Uh, for example, like, any sagas have lore counters. And the reason that like they are made the way they are is so that you get an effect each turn and it's spaced out and not just like bam all at once uh which i mean proliferate kind of sidesteps that and yeah. it's like nope you're just gonna mm -hmm. go right on to the next step good job right uh, so i get nervous when you're talking about an eternal format much like like uh, commander mm -hmm. and a mechanic like proliferate which affects so many other mechanics. Um, yeah. This is, you know, on one side you've got Parasitic, which makes it difficult to build, and then on the other side you've got this thing, which is which interacts with what what seems like almost every mechanic. Um, yeah. And, you know, sure, many of them interacts in a minor way, but there are many that are interacts in a significant way. And you can make things very very miserable very quickly and it really uh a mechanic like proliferate really requires a strong a group with a strong rule zero uh right rule zero portion in it to lay control over this because wizards just doesn't wizards <laughs> doesn't and they can't well i don't maybe they can maybe they can but they certainly don't they make right. no efforts to try and stop this so um, so you need to keep that in mind and, you know, is, yeah. you know, is, is proliferate mixed with whatever other mechanic you're mixing with in your group? Okay. Probably is, but maybe it's not. Um, and it's just something that, uh, it's a mechanic that just goes way over, way over. Uh, I mean, uh, it just, it interacts with so many different groups. Um, I have very few cards. I run very few cards that offer proliferate. Um, I have one deck that uses proliferate. And honestly, it's a deck I haven't updated in years, mostly because... What deck's that? Um, Vorel. Oh. Um, but again, I'm running it in a Vorel deck. I mean, there are plenty of Simic creatures that could... <laughs> that could run this deck that, that that could lead this deck far yeah. better than Vorel. Vorel has been outclassed many times over. But I continue to use Vorel as a way to keep control over whatever but what uh, control over what the deck does. 
because I right. don't want it going off the deep end. And the number of cards that I have in the deck that, that do proliferate are limited. And it just generally is mostly focused on plus one, plus one counters. And then the occasional counter that may show up during the course of a game on other people's battlefields. But, um, yeah, and that's not even so. to say that, like, I mean, I guess in the same exact but opposite way that we were talking about uh, uh, parasitic mechanics, uh, that's not to say you shouldn't play Proliferate. I mean, if you want to play Proliferate, do it. Just be aware that, like, it is very easy for Proliferate to be oppressive um, in the same way that parasitic mechanics are very easy to be what was the word you said uh i'm missing it predictable oh uh, okay uh <laughs> unlike the end of that sentence yeah. um <laughs> but like proliferate has its time and place and like there are some really really good decks out there there are some a lot of really fun decks out there uh <clears throat> but uh just be like like you said, it kind of comes down to the rule zero of it all. Um, that, like, you got to be aware of your meta. You've got to be aware of your your own fun, but also the fun of everyone else's. Yeah. Playtime. What am I saying? Uh, you're saying that if you're going to build a Traxa, or sorry, if you're going to build a Traxa Super Friends... <laughs> you might want to keep an eye on your proliferate mechanics and decide, you know, at what point is this just becoming oppressive and not fun for the rest of the group? Um, and when we're talking about an eternal format like this, uh, mechanics like proliferate only get better, much better, as the format continues. Mm. Wizards consistently puts out more and more cards that have counters and I'm not even talking just plus one plus one counters uh, you know there, there are all sorts of counters and all, all variety of manner where proliferate really does get a significant benefit or offer a significant benefit so um, it's uh, and that's a product of the size of our format of um, you know of a of an eternal format Oh, yeah. Uh, hold on, Bruce. Um, we got to take a break, uh, give some time for our sponsor, and we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by Aldrich's Keyword Soup Kitchen. You down on your luck? Your friends having more interesting things going on? Jealous? Well, we can help you get what they have. Audric's Keyword Soup Kitchen. We're not like Phoebe, head of Sneak, where it's all about stealing. We want to give. You get haste. You get haste. You get flying. At Audric's Keyword Soup Kitchen, get your first strike death touch trample on and beat face. Next to Rayami's mechanic shop, right down the center of the battlefield. And now... Back to you. <laughs> All right, and now, uh, yeah. Um, what's a what's a mechanic that 
you hope never comes back. Ooh. I, I'll go first. Okay. I wrote down split second because Kroos and Grip, super maddening to play against. Uh, I just, like, I can't. I, I don't like being not just being told, no, you can't interact with this, which is funny because I have decks that do that. But, like, uh, or, like, if you're going to, like, it, there's just, it because it doesn't use the stack, it's just, yeah. Right. I hope Split Second never comes back. I think my choice would be, um, <clears throat> be experience counters. I tend to, you know, it's hard, it's hard to pick a mechanic that mm. I don't ever want to see coming back because they're the mechanics I don't tend to play and don't even think about. Right. So there's a good chance that there's one out there that that I really hate and definitely right. don't want to see come back. I'm just not thinking of it right now. Um, but the experience, the the mechanic that involves experience counters in any way, shape, or form, I hate this. Again, <laughs> this is another another mechanic that you can't interact with. Uh, I think it's the lack of interaction is what is what I really don't care about don't like about the format. I'm with you when you when you talk about split second and the the restrictions that it brings that there's just it, it just says no. Yeah. That's the, you know, like, we're done. At least we are done here. Right. At least with any other, you know, disenchant type card or naturalized type card, you have a chance to maybe say no back. Uh, yeah. I don't. I mean... Hmm? Nope. No. Bruce. No. This isn't. No. <laughs> no. Like... No. No. And that's why we hate Cross and Grip. That's why you hate. <laughs> that's why split second cards are so miserable. I mean, we generally pride ourselves on being somewhat positive people. Um, uh, with with the other side of the corn, corn, other side of the corn, other side of the coin. Yeah, other side of the corn. Uh, what what mechanic do you want to see more of that you feel like might have just gotten the shaft uh, and maybe played a little? Uh, or developed, underdeveloped. It's interesting because um, I actually heard somebody else talking about just this sort of qu- just this question recently. Mm-hmm. Which I could place it, but um, I got two mechanics for you. Okay. Goad and Monarch. I mm. want to see more of both. Uh, I think there are uh, with with Monarch. I want to see more creatures. You know, when it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. I want to yeah. see, uh, you know, when this creature does damage, you know, I want to have a creature that says tap, do a point of damage to target opponent. When you when the target opponent is the monarch, you become the monarch. I love that. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like you want uh, Conspiracy 3, Bruce. Uh, I do. Uh, and I also want, um, I don't want just that, but I also want cards that say... Um, you know, if you are the monarch, um, you know, right? Get the, get more on your value out on of. your upkeep. If you are the monarch, destroy target artifact and opponent controls. 
Hmm. Or, you know, if you are the monarch, uh, target creature you control gets plus, you know, uh, the smallest creature you control gets a plus and plus one counter. Or, you know, just you can add other benefits and you can even theme them to the idea that you are the, you are the monarch. So what would, what would a monarch get? You know, hey, uh, on your upkeep, if you are the monarch, each opponent must tap one land and you get a treasure for each land that has been tapped. Yeah. I'm like, Um, this is just, you know, there are all kinds of weird and interesting things that go with monarch that i would love to see yeah which like we saw like a lot of in commander legends uh you and i have yet to really dig deep into it but uh it's also the end of january like it's yeah (laughs) to date this podcast a bit uh (laughs) but like uh you're thinking of things like the the cycle of courts yes uh, where it's like at the beginning of your upkeep xyz if you're the monarch, better things. Uh, yes. I just came across this card, uh, I think, for the very first time. Archon of Coronation. Uh, when it enters, you become the monarch. Uh, it's a 5-5 five, five flying, blah, blah, blah. Uh, as long as you're the monarch, damage doesn't cause you to lose life, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> but like having having value out of being the monarch more than just drawing that extra card right? It just seems so cool. Right. And you can also uh, you can also have it so that you know if you are not the monarch, get a benefit or or get a negative, either or. Yeah. So that there's more riding on it, so that 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 sub game becomes even more important. Now, I do think there's a line that you don't want to cross. You don't want to turn this whole game into you know who controls the monarch. Because then it, you've got right. this all. Then that turns into an arch enemy field that I really don't like either. There's another mechanic I didn't care for, um, but it's um, funny because I think what you're explaining to is turning monarch into more of a parasitic <laughs> mechanic. Uh, uh, kind of. Kind. Of. I mean, yeah. I like I like the basic setup idea of the monarch. The uh, you know, somebody gets an extra card draw. You can stop right. them from doing that by doing combat damage to them. It encourages right. players to do combat damage. I think as long as as long as Wizards keeps creating cards that continue to encourage people to attack the Monarch or to just attack, that's a good yeah. thing. To me, that's a good thing. Um, I think... Go ahead. Yeah, and I think like uh, what keeps it out of being a parasitic mechanic is that on its own, like singular cards that give me- the Monarch are strong enough to to be in a deck regardless like it's not right my queen Mar- solely reliant on being a monarch deck right my queen marchesa deck if that was the only card that gave the monarch it would work just fine it doesn't you know it's not as though it gets multitudes better if i add in more cards that that make me the monarch yeah because in theory if i already am I don't really want more cards that give me the monarch because then I'm paying for something I don't need to pay for. Uh, it means I'm, you know, um, oh, what is the name? The Knight of the Black Rose? Thorn of the Black Rose? Thorn of the Black Rose that makes me... 1-3 Death Touch? Yes, makes me the monarch? Yeah. Right. Do I want to play that card if I'm already the monarch? I think 
uh, I mean, you can play it as a way to protect yourself to keep the monarch, keep being the monarch, or you can you wait can... until you right. lose it and then get it back. Yeah. So I think that yeah, that's kind of where those cards lie. Uh, generally, is to get it back without having to do the combat. Right. Um, but uh, it's funny because the mechanic that I want to see more of, I don't have nearly as much to say about. Uh, but it's the Rakdos mechanic from uh, Ravnica Allegiance Spectacle, uh, which is like essentially like if you do damage to an opponent, you have a new cost for your spell. Uh, so it kind of comes with this cool design space that uh, you uh, can do combat damage, you can do non-combat damage. Generally, however, damage is done. Yeah, it's just loss of life even. It's just... Uh, yeah. yeah, you can just do... Um, yeah, any of the Orzhov uh, abilities that, you know, yeah. lose so a life, gain this, a life kind of thing. There's all this build space around it. Uh, excuse me. Um for simple value to get out of it i mean like mm -hmm. there's plenty of cards that are like oh in your upkeep do one damage to target player or whatever um that like bam immediately before your first uh combat or, sorry before your first main phase you've already got uh it triggered so you can easily pay those costs right and i think like if they ever go back to that mechanic not that i necessarily want them to go back to ravnica anytime soon but if they go back to that mechanic i would love it i like it's just such a cool idea right um part of because it it, it gives you idea like you you'll be randomly sitting there one day and be like oh my god this would trigger it and then you go build it right um part of what i like about the about the, about spectacle Mm -hmm. um, and there's there's a number of uh, mechanics that I, that that do this in such or that work in such a way that that fit this. It encourages people to be better players, or and it, that's not fair. It 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 incentivizes players to play in a way that they will that they can then discover that that's the better way to play. Yeah. So like for spectacle, it you know. You can cast it for the spectacle cost rather than its mana cost if an opponent lost life this turn. Well, if you're playing it on your turn, the most common way for an opponent to lose life is combat. So in other words, right. the spectacle cards are saying, wait until your second main phase to play the card. <laughs> and generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, that's the right time to play it. You don't want to play your like your blade juggler, I mean, right? Why would you want to? You don't need to play that on your first main phase, and if you are playing it on your first main phase, then you want to think about why you're doing that. Maybe you just desperately need to draw a card before your combat step. Maybe that's why you're playing it. But generally speaking, it's better to play it after you've done combat. You want to save your mana until until afterwards let your opponents wonder what you have in your hand don't give away everything before your combat step spectacle says without saying that says 
maybe you ought to hold off until the until your second main phase because <laughs> it'll be cheaper then. And yeah. everybody sees that, understands that, and hopefully the newer player will see that, understand that, do it, and then recognize, oh man. You know, or they'll they'll go through their combat step and say, Oh wow, I can now play this instant on my combat step to mess with my opponents. And I couldn't have done that if I had played this card earlier. So I think Spectacle uh, helps make new, uh, newer players better players. Um, and that's yeah. that's one of the reasons that I like uh, that I like this mechanic as well. So yeah, um, I oh my god, Bruce, I could go on for hours about mechanics, uh, and we may one day. We may. Do you have anything you want to wrap up our discussion of new mechanics with? Um, I think I want to bring the focus back to rule zero. Um, I think there are plenty of ways in an eternal format like ours to abuse mechanics. Even, even innocent mechanics, parasitic mechanics, because you'll find something somewhere out there that allows you to do busted broken things with these mechanics mm -hmm. uh, and we all know this i mean the you know the the rules committee has said this before i mean this is this is a broken format it, you're expected to police police your your own deck in such a way so that you're not completely abusing the format this is all rule zero and n every new mechanic that gets created has to fall under this lens it just has to you can't just assume that every new mechanic you can do that anything that it could do is something you should do you know give it a thought think about how that's going to work and what's going to happen um and you know and we'll hope that wizards doesn't uh you know doesn't give us cards that require banning and instead, <laughs> instead gives us cards that allow us to build new and exciting decks because of new mechanics and how they work with old mechanics. And that we'll all be responsible enough to understand when, we, when we've gone too far for our group. Yeah. That's all I got. Um, I Kind of along the same lines. I mean, I think you summed it up perfectly. Uh, if there's like a mechanic that you want to build around just do it um like it, it you know our our mantra here is that our our decks aren't optimized but like uh i i really take that to heart when i build decks i mean i built i built my taste deck around uh the afterlife mechanic which i mean it ended up evolving from there but uh it, it was built around a very niche mechanic that shouldn't be see like shouldn't be seeing as much play in eternal formats uh for good reasons uh but uh i i went out and i i did it and i think like it is always good to never uh discount something just because it's a you know a weak mechanic or if it's something you want to do just do it yeah uh but uh that that's gonna do it for us this week 
uh, here at the Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun, uh, you can reach us um, at falsepodmtg at gmail.com if you want to email us. If you want to tweet at us, we're on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Uh, we are also on Instagram, the same handle, at falsepodmtg. Um, so reach out to us, tell us what your favorite mechanic is, your least favorite mechanic, uh, why we're uh, giving too much leeway to proliferate, you know, just l- let us really have it. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Uh, we'll see you next week uh, for us here at the temple. I am Andy. I am Bruce. And uh, have a great night. Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, Also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.